things that um, was laid on my heart as I was, you know, looking at this was we all started out being lost. We were all doomed. We were all um, set to, set up to fail from the beginning. Um, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they failed, and it's been that way ever since. Um, but a Savior came for us to intercede for us. And I'm no better, we're no better for the fact that he came other than if we allow him in our hearts and lives. If we invite him in our hearts and lives, that is what makes us uh, a child of his. And so he invites us to come into his life and to live uh, within us. In Genesis, if you find it here, um, in Genesis chapter 25, um, we have an account here where um, Jacob and Esau were, were born, and um, it was told to Rebekah that the elder, um, the elder one, which was uh, Esau, that he would be a servant to the younger one, the second born, and uh, which was was Jacob, and so um, when that happened, um, nor in the normal setting, the firstborn is to uh, receive the inheritance or to receive the the uh, the blessings from the father. So it ends up in this story here, um, Esau ends up getting to the point where the father was ready to bless him and he, uh, <coughs> he comes in hungry from the field and he sells his birthright to the second one, which makes him a servant to the second born. And um, what really strikes me about the whole thing is, as I was reading this, rereading it, and I got thinking about this thing, that when we are born in this life, that is our first, being firstborn, when we're born. But when we're born again, that is the second birth. And that's where our birthright is in. It is not in the, the first birth, but it's in the, the second birth. When we're born again into the family of God, um, when we accept Christ into our hearts and lives, that's, that's when we um, become eternal. So the first birth is an, our natural birth, and it's temporal. But the second one is a spiritual birth, and it's eternal. In Proverbs, it tells us how we can live um, a right life, or a righteous life, you could say, and that is in Christ that we uh, live. It is not through ourselves or by ourselves that we can you know, live a life that is right or righteous, but it is through living in Jesus Christ. 
we have a life that is is um, considered like right living. And so in, in Proverbs uh, verses 1 through 12, Proverbs 3 verses 1 through 12, it says, I'm beginning here, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good rep rep refuge in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. So we can, we can see that, you know, of ourselves, we're nothing. We can't produce a right living. But when we're living in Christ, <clears throat> then that produces a right living. In Matthew 6, it says that we are to seek first his kingdom. Matthew 6, 31 to 34, it says, do not worry, saying, yeah, you have the right verses, do not worry, then saying, what will we eat or what what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. So. In this life, we're to not seek after our own, but we're to seek first his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, 16, Matthew 16. I guess one of the things that I have to think of in, in seeking to serve uh, self if we're looking for health, wealth, prosperity um, in life, we will most likely miss out on the eternal wealth that we can have that comes through the Father. In Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and profits his soul? 
Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and, and will then repay every man according to his deeds. So um, it's important that we deny self, that we follow Jesus, and it's in that that we have a good name. So one of the things that I had to think of, you know, when, when we're um, when we're serving self, we're not following Jesus. We're uh, he doesn't follow us, but we need to follow him. Satan also offered the kingdom to Jesus, and he offered a, he offers it to us. But what he has to offer is for a very short season for Satan. That is, he offers. What he offers us is very short compared to eternity. What Christ is offering is for eternity. In Matthew 5, verses 3 to 16, we have some ingredients of how to live our life that would be um, pleasing and honor God. Says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in, in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has, has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city, a, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does any light and lamp, anyone light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men and in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So let us live our lives in such a way that the light is is he that is shining in us and not the light from us. But that, uh, so that the name of Jesus cannot be hidden, it is brought forth. In Hebrews, Hebrews 10 says, um, 
verses 19 through 25. It says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sin sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's amazing how when our focus turns away from self and how, how we start serving others. When we have a new name, and we have the name of God written on our hearts, that, that our focus becomes others and not, not ourselves. In Colossians, Find it here. Uh, in Colossians three seventeen, it says, "Whatever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father." So we're to do all things. In, uh, in his name. When we go through this life, it seems like we always come up with troubled times where we're seeking for answers from God. And it isn't always clear. So here's three things that we should consider as we go through this life and are trying to work thing through all the difficulties that we're going through. It says, have you ever been caught in a standstill with God? When faced with an important decision, most Christians turn to God for direction. And when we don't receive a clear-cut answer, sometimes we mistake that as a no from him, but there's more to consider before we jump to that conclusion. When seeking God's guidance, it's crucial for us not only to pray, but to turn to his word. The book of Psalms and Proverbs are excellent places to start looking for wisdom. But if we are honest with ourselves, we've probably all had instances when even our Bible did not give us absolute clarity on pressing matters. So what are we to make of this? 
Does God simply not care as much as these decisions were where he appears to fall silent? The short answer is, of course, he cares. But in order to fully understand why God refrains from giving us simple answers to some of our questions, we must take a deeper look at, at his character. In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, gives, gives us three, in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, gives us three direct directions that provide insight in our dilemma. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. For emphasis, I'll begin with the third charge and work my way back. In verse six, God tells us, that in order to make our paths straight, we must fully submit to him. Fully submit to him. Practically, this means we have to come to a place where we can say, Lord, even if the best decision is the one I'd rather not take, I will do that if it's what you want for me. This is not an easy prayer to pray but it's absolutely necessary in order for God's perfect plan to play out in, in our lives. God gives us free will and does not want to control us like puppets. Instead, he gives us opportunities to share experiences with him, which makes the outcome of our decision that much more meaningful and enjoyable. That is why sometimes God will wait for us to let go of our own way before he gives us peace about which direction to take. Lean not on your own understanding. This is where the waters can get murky. Because while it's true that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, it's also true that there will be much trouble in this world. Not only that, God also allows us to experience pain at times for our own benefit. As a loving parent disciplines a child who needs to be correct, corrected, Psalms 94.12 says, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. So we must keep in mind when we're trying to make difficult decisions that can potentially bring suffering because yes, God will sometimes allow our suffering. If it ultimately, ultimately leads to a deepening of our character and faith, understanding that brings us to the final and perhaps most important aspect, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It seems simple enough, but what if we actually do totally trust God, yet still don't know or understand what he wants us to do? God has waited, wanted to give us full clarity or confirmation on some of the most important decisions of our lives until after God waited to give us full clarity and confirmation on some of the most important decisions of our lives until after 
we've taken a step forward in a certain direction. And in every case, he does this as a way to test our faith in a deeper way. I think it's easy for humans to put God in a box and assume he'll give us cookie cutter methods on how we should, should approach our lives. But it's actually an extreme example of his radical love that he does not. There is a certain aspect of, of mystery to all of our lives, and God is gracious enough not to give us all the answers, but instead to allow us to experience life as a beautiful adventure with him. Though God may allow you to learn a hard lesson or two as you try to na navigate life, if you are genuinely seeking his will in your life, he will never abandon you. Remember, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who will convict your heart when you should absolutely refrain from certain paths. But for those decisions where you, you're not completely sure, take a leap of faith and ask God to be with you in your decision. And in doing that, he will ultimately carry you to the path you need to be on. As I was pondering that, you know, one of the things that I, you know, was totally uh, kind of blown away with was the fact that, you know, so many times we're on a journey, we're doing things, we're, we're busy, and we expect God to come along with us instead of being in Him and Him guiding us through our situations. Um, I've seen the sign already, God is my co-pilot. Why is he not your pilot? Why is he not the one that's leading you? Um, we can do that in all sorts of jobs that we have. You know, you can uh, take him along up when you're building a house, take him to the peak of the house to be there with you, but trust him. Live in him. And let him abide in you. In John 14, it says, um, He who believes in Jesus abides in Jesus. So um, let's read a little bit there. It says in John 14, verses 16 and 17. Find the right ones here. Actually, it's uh, verses 12 and 14. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whether you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then in John 15, it says, um, you do not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it, give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. So uh, if we expect to bear fruit, we need to be in Christ. We need to be attached to him 
and uh, allow him to lead doubt in our lives. In closing here, I'd like to go to a story that I uh, came across. And it's about a father and his daughter. And uh, it's, um, I'll just read it here. It says, a father said to his daughter, you have graduated with honors. Here is a car I, I bought many years ago. It is pretty old now, but before I give it to you, take it to the used car lot downtown and tell me, then tell them I want to sell it and see how much they offer you for it. The daughter went to the used car lot and returned to, to her father and said, they offered me 1000 because they said it looks pretty worn out. The father said, now take it to the pawn shop. The daughter went to the pawn shop, returned to her father and said, the pawn shop offered only $800 because it's an old car. The father asked his daughter to go to the car club now and show them the car. The daughter then took the car to the club, returned and told her father some people in the club offered $100,000 because it is a sought-after collector's item. Now the father said to his daughter, the right place values you the right way. If you are not valued, do not be angry. It means you are in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who appreciate you. Never stay in a place where no one sees your value. <coughs> so, the importance that I'm trying to bring out here is that we live a life that gives us a good name, a name that is in Christ. 